Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello, and thank you for checking out the podcast. Coming up, Barbara Bowes, an HR expert from Legacy Bowes Group. We'll talk about pot at work. And then a couple of weather experts on the show today. My weather expert buddy, Bruce Johnson, on Hurricane Michael. And global weather specialist, Mike Conkin, on our snowy forecast. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please rate the podcast. And now, the podcast. All right, let's talk a little bit now about uh, the legalization of marijuana which is coming up quickly, October 17th, and what that could mean in the workplace. Barbara Bowes joins us on the phone now, HR expert over at Legacy Bowes Group. Good afternoon, Barbara. Hi, good afternoon, Hal. How are you doing? Great. Thank you for doing this. Pot at work. This is a big topic of discussion. Generally, and we're hearing different rules for different professions like police where it maybe matters a bit more, but generally speaking, how are workplaces handling the upcoming legalization? of? Well, let, let me take it from two perspectives. Number one, the human resource professionals have been on this for over a year and have been you know, uh, working pretty hard at looking at their policies and their procedures. So that group, uh, I think it's pretty well stable. But I'm getting two other groups uh, that are raising a lot of concerns. So when you have a small business without an HR person, they haven't had any advice, they're starting to get very fearful. And actually, I met two people yesterday who had so many questions, I couldn't answer them all in the short term. And and one of them is from, from a, an employee themselves in terms of if my company allows individuals to do recreational marijuana and at the smoke break, and they, they come into my office, they'll smell. And I, I'm allergic to smoke. What, what's my employer going to do? So there's, you know, simple questions like that. From the employer's perspective, the questions that I'm getting about, well, what about medical? I mean, how do, how do I manage somebody who's got a prescription? So what we say is, number one, you have a right as an employer to see that prescription. And what we're doing is developing a checklist that the doctor can fill out to help us understand the impact of marijuana on that patient so we know what to expect in the workplace. So a lot of companies with the HR are starting to get a, a real handle on that. But there is a general rule, Hal, and that is that you treat marijuana cannabis the same as alcohol. From the point of view, is, is your employee fit to work? Right. And if you, if you focus on that concept rather than the details that surround it, then you'll start to be able to work through that, that problem. Yeah, pot is becoming legal, but alcohol has been legal for a long time. And on a break or at lunch, I can't go out and have a bunch of drinks and come back to work, can I? No, you can't. Um, and in this case, people are allowing recreational, businesses are allowing recreational um, smoking in, in the typical smoking area. Um, yeah, which is interesting, but I think corporations have the right to um, to refuse the marijuana in the workplace as well. Um, and smoking, you know, just generally, smoking is getting to be such a, a negative in the workplace. We don't see very many smokers anymore. So I, I'm not sure what what level of a problem that it will be, but um, most companies are thinking about it, acting on it. And we may very find out that there's more fear than reality. 
That's kind of the sense I'm getting, I think, on a lot of fronts with the legalization of pot. I don't think we're going to see a major change on the 17th of October. I think things are going to carry on kind of the way they've been carrying on. I don't think uh, we're going to see that big a change. Yeah, I agree with you. Actually, there's a new survey out this morning that says that um, 12% of the people who participated in the survey uh, will uh, engage in smoking uh, recreational marijuana at work. But, I mean, let's face it, people are giving up smoking, so why in heaven's name would they start smoking marijuana? So smoking is down per se. I'm not sure I'll see a big jump here. I think the biggest issue will be the medical marijuana um, and the need for prescription and the need to understand uh, the impact of that medication on an individual. But once again, uh, I really want to emphasize, same as alcohol, focus on can they work? Are they fit to work? But, you know, there will be, uh, of course, some issues that arise and some complaints and, and some probably some legal issues. And I, I think it will probably all work itself out in a year or two. You mentioned HR experts like you have been on this for about a year now getting ready for this. Is that essentially what they're doing as well, treating the legalization of pot just like alcohol in the workplace? Is that basically the bottom line rule that they're all kind of going with? Yeah, it's basically the bottom line rule. And then when we're reviewing the policies, we're making sure that the word cannabis and marijuana is built into the the policies that deal with, you know, drinking on the job, smoking on the job, etc. So... Um, you know, that's pretty well looked after. I am a little fearful for those organizations that don't have HR and panic a little bit instead of thinking it through. But you know how there, there was, um, I thought I heard on, on CGOB this morning about police officers in Ontario not going to be allowed to smoke marijuana 28 hours before a shift. Uh, which kind of tells me they're not going to be allowed to smoke at all. 28 days. You said 28 hours. Yeah, we're hearing 28 days. And you're right. Essentially, that means they aren't going to be smoking pot, legal or not. Yeah. And I, I think that comes from, uh, I know it comes from, you know, the the concept that we don't know how long marijuana lasts in the body. Right. And, you know, there's no sure way of testing it. Um, it's kind of interesting how marijuana has created a lot of side businesses like cookies, but it's also creating a lot of um, uh, testing and uh, how, how do we test? How do we assure? And I, I remember reading or hearing even on CJOB about an instrument, I think, in Alberta that, that uh, police are looking at, at using to, to do roadside testing and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So, you know what? It's creating a lot of business, a lot of new ideas, and a lot of fear. But I, I think that in most cases, it's going to be um, handled the same way as alcohol. Let me go back to the medicinal uh, marijuana for a second, because I think you're right. That is where pot is different than alcohol. When pot becomes legal, there are people that are going to say, whether they need it medicinally or not, they're going to say, I need this for my pain or whatever. You see that then as a potential problem area, employers and companies dealing with people that say, I need to go and smoke up on my break for my pain, and maybe they don't need it. Well, I agree. That's going to be the big issue. However, as the employer, the employer has the right to ask for a a copy of the prescription Mm -hmm. and notification from the doctor about the kind of behavior that um, the individual would exhibit with using that medication. But, you know, accommodation of any kind of addiction or disability in the workplace is always more complicated. Right. 
there's no one answer to that, but I, I suspect that uh, out of anything, that'll probably be the biggest deal. And you know what? When we think about people who are missing work and go to the doctor and get that three-day, you know, a note for being away for three days, I, I wouldn't be surprised if more and more people go to their physician and ask for a prescription for cannabis mm. when they may not need it. And so as employers, we have to find a way to monitor that. Um, you know, if we're going to look at the prescription and the, the medical um, requirements, is that a one-time only or does it ever get better? So I, I think those are, you're running into subjective kinds of uh, uh, assumptions and we have to be really careful with that. Hey, Barb, it's been a while since we chatted. Before I let you go, on the Me Too front, uh, after the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation, U.S. Supreme Court and all that sort of in the spotlight, what are we seeing in the workplace? Are women still coming forward with issues where maybe in the past they didn't? Um, I have to be honest with you, that slowed down a little bit in terms of the number of complaints that we are hearing and, and encountering at my office. But I, I have to tell you, it was at a big event last night, and it, it was a Canadian event with a Canadian speaker. And all of the questions that came to the floor were about Kavanaugh and Trump. So it shows me that women are very, very cognizant of the issues of the Me Too and the Kavanaugh. Um, I just don't know how it's going to spill over into the, the Canadian milieu. Um, but in terms of the actual complaints, uh, they are down a little bit. So we're open for business, Hal. As always. Barbara, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Okay. Have a great afternoon. historic hurricane no matter what happens here because it's already a category four winds at 145 miles per hour which makes it the largest hurricane to bear down on the florida panhandle ever unprecedented so it's going to be a major hit the power is going to be off for multiple weeks officials here in the florida panhandle say hurricane michael continues to grow in strength as it moves closer to landfall it's now a very strong category four hurricane with winds of 145 miles an hour now michael will likely move on shore as a very dangerous category four hurricane a cat four is something this part of florida has never experienced in recorded history. Destructive winds expected to take out power, which is why we're seeing states of emergency, not only in Florida, but they're prepping in Alabama and in Georgia as well. And then that track takes it straight up the East Coast. We're gonna be seeing the effects of this for several days to come. All right, that is some of the reporting leading up to Hurricane Michael, which has made landfall now in Florida right around Panama City Beach, Florida, almost a Category 5, 155 miles per hour. That's the wind speed with this hurricane. My weather expert buddy, Bruce Johnson, he is a hurricane expert. He's a weather expert. We talk to him about our weather all the time, but he's also a guy who watches the hurricanes very closely. And, Bruce, this is a monster. Oh, it is, because 155 miles an hour is 249 kilometers per hour, to put it in perspective. Yeah. That's a bad, I mean, that's just amazing wind. But the thing is, a lot of people think a hurricane has absolutely no effect on our weather whatsoever. Well, actually, they do, because there's such deep, low-pressure areas. Once that thing scoots off the coast, it's going to suck everything down, you know, high pressure down. It's going to get a little bit cooler, of course, but then it's going to move things along so we won't be stuck in, a, in the pattern like we've been. So that's one thing about these things. Once they 
get off the coast and get away, then it frees things up because they do tend to block for a while until they move on. Yeah, somebody was complaining earlier, why are you talking about this hurricane? It doesn't matter to us here, but as you point out, we've had other reasons why it matters and why we talk about it. But as you pointed out, it it does affect our weather here. You mentioned 250 uh, kilometers an hour or 155 miles per hour. I think property damage starts at about 85 or 90 uh, right, and now we're at 250 kilometers an hour. Yeah, that's going to be catastrophic. And, and again, one of the things people have done over the last couple hundred years—they've moved. They so uh, people are so attracted to water, they build right on the beach, and that's really a, a dangerous place to be, especially in a place like the Gulf Coast, where you know sooner or later you're going to get hit by one of those. Because uh, I know they had Camille in '69, they had Katrina in 2005. This one's a little further east, but it's one of those big ones too. Yeah, storm surge—that's huge. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then, again, if you're living on the beach, that, you know, you're just asking for it. That's the, that's the problem. And uh, so many places are right up against the beach, and then you get something like this, then it gets washed away. Obviously, uh, this storm has just come ashore in the last hour, hour and a half, something like that. And so we'll mm-hmm. keep an eye on and we'll see. But obviously, you know, power, uh, I think we heard in the clip there, power can be out for weeks. Uh, obviously, death and injury. Uh, we just got to keep an eye on it. But uh, it is now hitting Florida very hard. Right. And one good thing about it, though, is moving fairly quickly. So it's not going to be hanging around for days and days and days and producing amazing amounts of rain it's going to scoot on and it will be off the coast again probably by friday morning or late thursday night and heading off to the east northeast just as a tropical storm so it won't be a a big player and it will be going away why do some of these kind of park themselves and dump tons of water and then others move so quickly how why is that it's upper-level winds, and if they catch an area where it's really stable and there's just not much going on, then they uh, they hang around. This one has, you know, southwesterly upper-level winds that are strong enough to carry it at a reasonable speed, so it gets it hits and then it goes. And it's just one of these where it, it didn't hit that real dead area where you just have almost no wind in the upper levels and it just hangs around. We had Global Weather Specialist Mike Conkin on earlier talking about our weather. Bruce, I've got you. I might as well get your thoughts. What are we looking for here? A couple centimeters? Yeah, not much in Winnipeg. Now, of course, you go southeast and south, and there's more, I can tell you that for sure. And, uh, you know, some places are going to get maybe 15 centimeters in the southeastern corners, and then some places into Ontario, maybe closer to 20. So it's going to be pretty big in some places. It actually moved a little bit further southeast than models originally anticipated, so Winnipeg gets less, but it would be all snow. It's not going to be a rain event because we're on the cold side of this thing. And it's you know, it's going to be annoying, I guess, but it's certainly for Winnipeg, it's not going to be a major issue. People know that during the show, they can get me at 204 780 and of course, uh, anytime on my email, hal at cgob.com. But I've taken over the talk line here at CGOB. It's now Hal's talk line, 204-774-TALK. That's uh, 8255-8255. And I've already got a message. I just put it out there yesterday, and I've got a message, and it's uh, kind of for you, Bruce. You want to take a listen? Sure. All right, take a listen and, and uh, you respond. Here we go. Well, could you get your weather guy to look at the uh, 18th of October? I see they're talking about getting back to average temperatures, but not too many people are talking about it. It just showed up on some of the sites that I'm looking at. 
I'd be interested to know if that's when they think the jet stream is going to move farther north and we might share a little bit of that uh, weather from down east. Like your show there. Keep it up, man. I'll try. I'll ca- As long as they let me do the show, I'll keep doing it. I appreciate it. So that's about a week from now, Rich. And, and are you seeing that back to normal temps? It, it looks like... Um, Maybe not quite, maybe a little after that. It, it, one of the things I see probably about a week from now, maybe a little more than a week from now, is it really drying out where the, this wet pattern it just goes away. And if that goes away, we could get into a more zonal flow. And if we do, that would mean warmer temperatures, maybe 10, 12 degrees. But by then, 10 would be average. So if we can get to that, I mean, I'd be happy to get to my shoe size, which is 13. That would be, that'd be a really nice day. That would but be. It's... Um, it it looks like the next week, I don't think we're going to see any 10s, but maybe after, say, next Wednesday. Next Wednesday looks kind of chilly right now, but maybe after that it's going to bump up. Mm. We'll have to see. But it looks drier, and we certainly need that on the farm, I'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah, you're still not uh, in the sugar beets, I guess, eh? Well, no, because we got uh, probably about seven centimeters of snow on them right now, and it's still snowing, and, and you just can't do anything. Wow. Down in Lancaster, Minnesota, we should uh, remind people that we talked to Bruce. He's in, in Lancaster, Minnesota. Now, the thing about if we do get a bit, let's say we hit double digits, uh, Bruce, 10 degrees late next week. The problem is the averages are dropping like a stone right now, so even if we do get nice weather, it's not going to be around for long. No, I won't. I mean, that's we could be. We might get three or four days. You never know. When we mm-hmm. we get in one of those dry patterns, and you remember last year we had that really. It was windy, but it was warm in October, and that was part of it was the zonal flow. Everything goes west to east, west to east. There was no moisture, yeah. and we were getting warm Pacific air. So, you know, modified of course through the mountains, but it was it was quite mild. And you know, if we get into that pattern late this month, that it would be nice. It might be. 10, even 15 degrees, you can still have 15 degrees at the end of October. doesn't normally happen, but it can. So if we get that, then people would love it. Well, let's keep our fingers crossed. Bruce, thanks a lot, pal. I appreciate it. Hey, talk to you later. Our weather, some snow in the forecast. Global weather specialist Mike Conkin joins us now. Hi, Mike. How's it going, Hal? Well, how much, uh, good, how much snow are we going to get here in Winnipeg? And then I guess we'll see more as we go east, right? Pretty much. So Winnipeg's going to be very much on the lighter side of things. So it's a Colorado low that has developed that uh, we were noticing starting to develop last week and was looking for a Wednesday arrival time. But it's mostly focused on northwestern Ontario. So we get more affected by Colorado lows here around southeastern Manitoba, Alberta Clippers. We all love the buzzwords. They're more of a southwestern thing. And actually, the southwest, you're going to stay essentially clean. You may see some flurry activity, but it's going to be nothing serious. So just a couple of centimeters expected here in Winnipeg, but the numbers jump significantly as you get east. So around the Sprague area where there was a snowfall warning put in place yesterday, looking for roughly 15 centimeters when it's all said and done, but the bulk of that snow is going to be right along the uh, Minnesota-Ontario border. That's where they're really going to get hit with it. And then it just starts to change states as you get further east. Freezing rain and then a lot of rain around Lake Superior. And when do you figure this snow is going to start to fall here in Winnipeg? Around what time? We're getting, we're talking more towards late afternoon. Could start to see a few flakes around perhaps the uh, late afternoon, the evening commute, um, but it's going to be fairly light. We won't, we won't be having major traffic issues because of the snow that we're going to have here in the city. It'll be fairly light, uh, maybe even a magical look to it. It'll look like Christmas just a little bit here in the city. But as you get further east, 
If you've been noticing that snow already, it's going to continue to fall in your area. So areas east of the city are going to be noticing that snow much more. But it shouldn't have any major traffic issues for us here. Well, I'll tell you what. you got to be a glass-half-full kind of guy to think snow is magical at this magical. time. Magical. Is magical at this time of the year. But I give you credit mm-hmm. for, you know, <laughs> giving it the pitch there, uh, Mike. Good good for you. You're, you're, you're doing your best. Now, it, it is uh, at times breezy, windy. Uh, is this mm-hmm. going to be a wetter snow? Is it going to blow around or or not really? We shouldn't be dealing with a ton of the blowing snow issues that we typically get in the wintertime just because there isn't any light snow that's already sitting on the ground. Right? Yeah. We don't have anything that's already there that's kind of crystallized that's easy to knock around. Uh, but we'll have we'll probably have a little bit of it um, probably just melt on contact. So not a ton necessarily in the way of accumulations here in the city. But Further, further east, different story, because they're going to be dealing with those gusty winds, and the snow is going to be thicker as well. So snow will be, and blowing snow will be more of an issue in the areas that are a bit closer to the snowfall warning areas. A big chunk of northwestern Ontario, and then right around that extreme southeast corner of the province. And how much could fall in that part of the province? If we get a couple centimeters here, what's a max for them? Oh, it jumps. So you go from two centimeters by the time we start to clear out uh, tomorrow morning to roughly 15. So that's much more of a shovel job as you yeah. get in towards uh, Sprague area. No kidding. No, less back pain for Winnipeg. Yes, right. Yeah. Again, half uh, half full. Um, tell me what you're uh, thinking as we watch this uh, hurricane. Hurricane Michael coming ashore in Florida there as almost a Category 5. I mean, this is sort of unheard of for this part of uh, of Florida. Yeah, a little atypical to see uh, hurricanes through through that area. Just on a personal note, uh, if this one ends up being, you know, really big, I may not get another Hurricane Michael, again, named after me. The That's name true. I didn't even through. think about that. Yeah, I think it was seven years ago where the last Hurricane Michael was out there around uh, the Atlantic. No harm done uh, seven years later. Well, he's back, and this may be this may be the end of Hurricane Michael there. But uh, yeah, hurricane season. Just the whole eastern side of the country is still dealing very much with much warmer conditions, and so it's the warm ocean temperatures that actually allow these hurricanes to really start to build up. I know it's hard to believe that there's that much heat that's out there, but just as a it's not certainly not a great comparison, but. As I talked, my parents sent me a text yesterday. They are still having dinner outside in 25-degree heat with the humidity. It was close to 31 in parts of southern Ontario. And I took my tires to my uncle's place to go get uh, to go get the winter tires put on. Not that we're going to get a uh, huge dumping of snow. Yeah. It was just, this is when we made the appointment. Right. So <laughs> I needed an oil change more than anything. So don't read into my tire changing too much. But yeah, tons of heat still out towards the east. It is, it is essentially summer still in parts of Ontario and a big chunk of uh, eastern United States as well. Well, and I'll end with this because we could still see some pretty nice temperatures. Maybe not, you know, uh, for a long Long stretch, but for a day or two, we could see some nice temps uh, still later on this month, couldn't we? That would be nice. Actually, last year we saw our warmest October temperatures were towards the end of the month. Last October, we finished around two degrees warmer than normal. Typically, you get a daily mean temperature of around five degrees. Not to drop too many numbers on you guys, but around five degrees. This year in October, our daily mean temperature is about two degrees cooler than normal, sitting right around three. And as you would expect, things do get cooler as you get later in the month. But uh, last October, there are only two days in the first three weeks of the month that didn't get to 10 degrees. This October, we've only had two days that have gotten above 10 degrees. So wow. we, are, we are quite... Uh, 
It is quite brisk out there. No we kidding. Could, uh, if this trend continues, it looks like things are going to start to normalize. At least see temperatures get closer to normal as we get closer to the end of the month. So it's going to be still pretty brisk for a while. Hopefully the winds don't get too strong because it's nice to still see the leaves out there. But yeah. if uh, hopefully temperatures will start to normalize, get a little bit closer to where we are typically this time of year as we get towards the end of October. So we don't have... Just winter starting in October. I feel November is supposed to be our swing month, personally. Uh, that's that's the one that can't make up its mind. Is it going to be fall? Is it going to be winter? Yeah. Eh, it looks like its mind might be made up for it. Uh, but, yeah, we should get closer to normal. Right now, daytime highs are supposed to be around 12. So as, it, as those numbers slowly drop, we should start to get closer to it. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.